the free for all roundtable round two joining me now on the panel kofi hope with monumental and the toronto star lawyer professor and activist pamela palmatier and tim hudak former leader of the ontario conservatives now with the ontario real estate association hey pamela Hey. Hey. So uh, <laughs> somebody went after me the other day because I was arguing with someone and called that person an activist. And a person wrote to me and said, you just think that everybody who disagrees with you is an activist. But you call yourself an activist. What do you think that means? Um, I consider myself more of an advocate that takes action. So there's a difference between someone who says, hey, we should make changes in society, and then people who actually take concrete actions by doing submissions or going to court or protesting on the ground. So I don't consider it bad, but that's just me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, So um, Tim Hudak, I had uh, made comments on the radio and written a newspaper article where I was decrying the lack of information coming out of Metrolinks, and then I surmised, but not without some, you know, people telling me some nudge, nudge, wink, wink kinds of things, that maybe actually Metrolinks, uh, in their lack of communication to some degree, wasn't the problem. Maybe they were getting orders from up above from the government. And now we see this story in the Star. Doug Ford government interfered in Metrolinks tree removal communications, according to emails. Is that a bad thing, or is ultimately the, it's the province that's responsible anyway? Well, here's a bad thing. Uh, Does the province have responsibility over Metrolinx ultimately? Yeah, absolutely. And that means helping to set direction. Here are the priorities. Here are the time frames. Here are the consequences if you don't build projects on time and on budget. But babysitting uh, emails, uh, this, this was, uh, this was stupid uh, and it was uh, just plain wrong. And look how this backfires on you, right? If you actually want to build public trust, Jerry, if you have to knock down trees or some buildings to build transit to get millions of people moving again, be transparent about it. See, here's what we're going to do. Here's the pluses, here's the minuses, and our rationale behind it. But man, I suspect, I hope, some junior staffer in the minister's office telling them not to inform local MPPs to try to disguise how many trees are coming down, that ultimately bites you right back in the butt, and it's just stupid and wrong. Well, this whole thing, Kofi, is so controversial anyway, which every time there's a, hold on, we got to talk about this or about that, we don't build transit, which is what Toronto seems to excel at. And then it's just stupid to to add this into the mix. Yeah, Jerry, I would agree with you there. I think part of the issue is is accountability, right? Like we need a regional level transit strategy. It doesn't make sense to have every little city building transit separately. But the th- good thing about when you have it at, at the local level is people are much more accountable to local issues. They're talking to their councillors, city councils talking about it. With Metrolinks, in many ways, it's really just accountable to the premier's office. And what we've seen, whether it's with how businesses got killed along Eglinton with the Crosstown or now with the trees, is Metrolinks seems very disconnected from local concerns. And that's a problem that has to be fixed. We need regional solutions, but we need a lot more kind of local accountability and openness to feedback. Accused OPP shooter was out on bail due to indigenous Indigenous identity. Now, this is an individual who had been convicted before of violent offenses, had a, a lifetime ban on ownership of uh, possession of a weapon, uh, but there he was out on the road and killed an OPP shooter. And Paula, the the idea that, or Pamela rather, sorry, um, that, that we make court decisions based on race seems to me to be institutional racism and a bad idea. 
Well, and it's a good thing that that's not what the court does, because what the court's doing is following the criminal code, which, you know, 718.2 sub E specifically says all available sanctions other than imprisonment that are reasonable in the circumstances is for all offenders with a particular attention to the circumstances of Aboriginal offenders, not their identity. So it's a little bit of the media misunderstanding what that law is. So any person, Indigenous or not, who's had a very troubled past can can be considered for other sanctions just in prison. And that's been, I mean, that's the law. But race is specifically mentioned, and he is out due to Indigenous identity. No, he's not out due to Indigenous identity. He's out due to the fact that he and his family have been the victims of racism and violence and and poverty and lack of education and support and all of these other things. That's why he could have been non-Indigenous and got the same uh, scenario. But the reason why they're saying, please pay attention to the circumstances of Indigenous offenders is because they're targeted by police for racism. Uh, they're over incarcerated at alarming rates and the numbers aren't going down. So this judge is like, well, this is the law. These are things that we're supposed to do. I'm very cognizant of my responsibilities. And it's rare to see judges actually act in that manner. So I would say that's a good thing. And keep in mind, he's an alleged offender. Well, no, he was also a convicted offender of violent offenses and had penalties against him that he was not following. So, Tim Hudak, this just ties, unfortunately, too neatly into the the extreme need for bail reform in this country. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, like every every day, Jerry, I listen to your news talk and you learn something new. But this this shocked me. The, the, the notion that the court is so easily giving get-out-of-jail-free cars. I appreciate Pamela's comments, but the judge himself says begins his argument saying the accused is indigenous. And, and I think who hurts the most in this, I would imagine, are those indigenous communities, whether on reserve, off reserve, that see criminals, several-time losers, back in their midst. Do you, do you think they like it that this guy was on? I, I, I don't believe that for a second. The courts should not be given out get out of jail free cards because now you see what happens. Kofi, what's your reaction to this? Yeah, I think it's not easy. I mean, the reality is our, our prisons are disproportionately filled with Indigenous folks, also folks from the Black community. And we know the systems that lead to incarceration, right, being over-policed in your neighborhood or being put into children's aid, being failed by the school system. We know systemic bias is there, and those are the pipelines that lead here. And so I think this is after the fact, trying to correct by having judges and justices think about this. Um, but did it? Is it going to be right every time? No. Should an incident cast a, a shadow on the entire policy? I don't think so either. Now, when it comes to reform, I agree we need reform, but I think it's more than just bail reform. It's our entire system of incarceration, which when you go through this system, it just drastically increases the chances you come back. We see other parts of the world, the Nordic countries, other places that do incarceration differently and don't have the same level of civitism in the system. But our system is just great at keeping people in a kind of revolving door because there's very little rehabilitation. There's very little skills. What you learn going to prison is how to be better criminal in most cases. Okay. Uh, I think it's to keep criminals off the street, and you think it uh, is for a different purpose. But Pamela, if what we're talking about is trying to mitigate against overrepresentation, well, then I guess we have to take males into consideration because males are overrepresented in the, in the um, justice system. Well, unfortunately, according to the statistics, 
it's males who are far more likely to kill, shoot, or hurt other oh, males, oh, to kill, shoot, or hurt other women. So oh. it's the it's definitely a problem with male violence in society, oh. and we've tried to address it for domestic violence, for gun violence, for human trafficking, for gangs. I mean, that's a male-dominated scenario. So there's no question there. Of course, they're going to be overrepresented. That's where the violence is coming from. I, do you understand why I was responding the way I did? I, I see why you were trying to make an argument. Yeah, uh, but maybe maybe there are other groups that are overrepresented, uh, and they present themselves in court. Uh, Tim Hudak, do you understand what I'm trying to say here? I, I got lost that whole argument, Jerry. <laughs> I'll Did be you honest. Really? Yeah, I'm a bit old school, right? You, you do the crime, you do the time. Well, I that's kind of what I was maximum. trying to say. Oh, then I agree 100% with Agar. All right. Uh, builders are seeking extensions on Toronto's new vacant homes tax. What's the Ontario Real Estate Association position on a vacant home tax? Uh, our, our view is you got to get at the underlying problem. You've got to create more homes that average people can actually afford to start building their lives and their greatest investment. Every ounce of energy that you dedicate to try to find out some way to tax than to you know look it up uh, and then do the inspections and look at you know their water usage, their hydro usage, that's a pretty big bureaucracy in the appeal system. Wouldn't that energy be better put to seeing how we can get more homes built faster that people can actually afford? Pamela, do you think it makes sense to uh, tax people when they have made a decision on their own personal property not to get renters in there and have to deal with the landlord and tenant board and all that stuff? Well, you know, I can't for the life of me imagine why someone would want to build homes and condos and apartments and let them sit empty. And this happens in a large number of communities, not just here in Toronto, but, you know, in other metropolitan areas like Vancouver, you have whole neighborhoods that are literally unhoused. So when people are going out trying to buy a house, the the stock is like sitting there vacant. And that's counter to the whole purpose of housing. And it is one of the contributors to the inability of people both to get housing and the exorbitant prices of housing because of the lack of stock. But I've heard from people, Kofi, even this morning as we've talked about this, I'll give you a specific example. A person wrote and said, my mother passed away and we were considering renting the property out, but we realized that if we come up against a bad tenant, the landlord and tenant board won't help us. The person will just sit there not paying the rent and we just don't want to deal with it. Yeah, and I can understand people saying that, but I think part of the key things is this, housing is a human right, right? Every human being uh, has a right to have appropriate housing. We're not able to deliver that right now in this country. It is a crisis, and, and we need significant uh, measures. I think Tim's right. You know, supply is a big part of it, but it's not simply supply because the housing industry, like any other industry, people are in it to make money, to make the best profit. That's why we've seen so much supply come on. That's one-bedroom condos. It's not appropriate. And so I do think there's a role for government to encourage while also encouraging supply to encourage things to be built that are appropriate there is an argument here to say well if these houses aren't being sold and are sitting there but they're brand new is part of that about the price of it and can this create an incentive to lower that price i'm not really 100 percent sure where i stand on this issue because i think in any policy there's unintended consequences you've got to see how it goes you need to to change it you need to adapt it so i'd be open to hearing more arguments around it but i think in general a vacant home tax makes sense because people are treating these things like monopoly okay. buying houses as investments all over and then leaving them there when people don't have a place to put over their head okay i'm sure it feels good to say that housing is a right but then if it's my right to have a house why do i have to pay for it um and i wish i had time to have you answer that question this is news talk 1010 
Catch the round table. Round one at 745. Round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.